We've been talking about it for months, but now it's happened. Two Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, going to take a look at the college football playoff. Rankings are officially out, and the Big Ten has two teams in. Both Michigan and Ohio State creep into the top four, and it's going to be at least a all-Big Ten semifinal, and hopefully we can get to a Big Ten at least one in the final game, too. We'll get to all of that here in reaction to the rankings as we start up the show. I'm Nate Dickinson host of your program today and be sure to follow myself at Nate with sports and more importantly the show wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter show is at locked on big 10 that's one zero at the end not ten all right so let's dive right into the reaction here after the big 10 got two teams into this playoff I've been saying for at least a month now that the big 10 deserved to have those two teams no matter how things played out over this last weekend but the Big Ten got a whole lot of help as well. USC goes down on Friday. TCU goes down on Saturday, which had me wondering what would happen here with like an Alabama team even creeping back into things. But after the Friday loss of the Trojans, I was pretty confident we were going to get both Ohio State and Michigan into this Final Four. And we got it. So let's dive into exactly how we got there. The final rankings come out. Georgia number one, Michigan number two. Those we pretty much knew. And I would have been pretty confident we would get TCU and Ohio State in those last two spots. I was not sure who would end up where. If you ask me, if you're looking at just the resume, I think Ohio State should be number three here. TCU doesn't have the Big 12 championship. It's losses to a really, really good team. And you could argue that the reason why the Horned Frogs get in over the Buckeyes in the final ranking is that their loss was, of course, in overtime in the Pac-12 championship game. While Ohio State had a loss that, while it was to a better team, you could argue, was in the regular season, and Ohio State didn't even get to its championship game. So, with the precedent that had been set before by this committee, it had pretty much set up that, hey, we're not going to punish TCU for losing a game that Ohio State didn't even get to. So I can understand why you put TCU over the Buckeyes still. And also, you set up that possibility of a rematch with Michigan in the national championship game then, too. There had been talks that you put Ohio State in at number three there and then get that rematch in the semifinal. But I like this more. I like the idea that we could end up seeing those two teams going at it again. I like the idea that they go into the semifinal matches with that kind of a mentality, not only to try and get back to that game, say if you're the Buckeyes, for a chance at revenge, but also just the bragging rights are up for grabs here. Yes, Michigan's already beaten Ohio State once, but you have a situation where the Buckeyes, if they win this game and get to the championship and Michigan loses out, Ohio State could easily say it still had a more successful season. Of course, that game and the, the big game between Michigan and Ohio State still matters. 
but as far as what you're doing here, Ohio State can get some pride back if it goes further than Michigan here in this four-team tournament. Moving on, though, to the actual rankings themselves. Uh, do I really believe that the committee would change their rankings to either get or avoid a Michigan-Ohio State first round or get a Michigan-Ohio State national championship? No, I don't. I do think that if I was voting personally, I would have put Ohio State 3 and TCU 4, but I'm perfectly fine again with the way that things played out. Uh, the biggest thing is that Alabama did not get in. The Crimson Tide end up losing out, and again, this is a precedent thing, where the committee had before just made it clear that one-loss teams are going to get in over two-loss teams, and that ended up just being a little bit too much of a hill for this Crimson Tide team to overcome. And I want to make it sure that it's really, really clear because there were a lot of people who were saying that Bama would find a way in or they'd find a way to get Bama into this bracket. I know we've seen that before. And I know we've seen what seemingly was a weaker Ohio or weaker Alabama team get in over other teams that you may have thought be more deserving. But when Nick Saban got on during the Big Ten Championship game and got on the broadcast and started talking about why Alabama was supposed to be in, if he had been doing the same thing in previous years, I would have been right there alongside him. Because in previous years when Alabama was trying to make this conversation and argument as a team right on the border and saying, hey, we should be in, it was doing it with a sense of dominance that I don't think this Alabama Crimson Tide team had. Uh, this Alabama team, remember, barely beat Texas. A lot of people say should have lost to Texas. Did, of course, lose the two games it did lose and didn't play in the, NC, or in the SEC championship game and had a bunch of close calls along the way as well. If this had been an Alabama team who had lost those two games, close calls to really good teams, their two losses, but then just dominated the way that Alabama had honestly made us think that we had been used to seeing them, in the past few years, then they could have easily gotten in. I think that this was more about the eye test than it was the actual two losses for the Crimson Tide. Because if they thought Alabama was good enough, they had the reason to put them in. They got the losses from both TCU and USC. So after you get Ohio State back in there, you could have argued, yeah, let's put in a two-loss Alabama team over a one-loss TCU team. It would have been maybe the most egregious example of an SEC team and just the powerhouse that is Alabama getting in over a team that just a little bit ago you thought was clear-cut better than Crimson, the Crimson Tide. But that would have been what, what this game, that would have been what it was, was that Alabama just looked so good that it was undeniable that they were one of the top four teams in the country. Alabama didn't do that this season, and I'd argue that nobody's really done it this season outside of maybe Georgia and, I guess, Michigan still staying undefeated. But there has not been that kind of a dominant force where it's like, oh, no matter what happens, this team's going to be in. Like, if Georgia had lost earlier in the season, you could have said, all right, maybe, I mean, they're going to be in the top four by the end of it, no matter what, if they had lost a game. But Georgia's maybe the only team that you would say, hey, even if this team loses one, they're probably still a good enough team for us to not be able to deny them a top four spot. If Michigan had lost, Alabama may have gotten in over them because Michigan would have been the one sitting at home. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. 
But all I'm saying right now is I don't think that there was any sort of dominant team that was going to overrule the rules that the the committee had put in of a one-loss team getting in over a two-loss team and so on and so forth. So Alabama misses out, which is what we all wanted, to be quite frank. And most importantly, we get our two Big Ten teams in. So those are the biggest, most important notes. Of course, getting those two Big Ten teams in is the most important thing. We're going to talk more about the actual matchups on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Big Ten. For first, before we get into the future, let's get into Saturday's Big Ten Championship game. Going to go over the Purdue chances that just fell through the fingertips for the Boilermakers. That's coming up here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we do any of that, though, the Upside app is the easiest way to get cash back during this time of big inflation. Prices are going up, and whether it be higher gas prices or higher prices when you're going out to eat or anything else, Upside can help you just a little bit with the cash back that you're getting on every single purchase. If you go over to Upside and just get their app, you can start making money back on the purchases that you're making every single day anyway. All you have to do is download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED at Upside, where you can get cash back just by going about your day as you normally were already. Our show today is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn is the biggest social professional network out there. I don't have to tell you about what LinkedIn is. But did you know that LinkedIn Jobs has its own platform where you can, as someone who's hiring, make sure that you're finding not only the most people to see your job, but getting and narrowing down to the most qualified candidates out there for your position. So head on over to LinkedIn Jobs right now to see what I'm talking about. It's linkedinjobs.com, or no, linkedin.com, check that. linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. All right, let's take another look here at this Big Ten Championship game. Before we dive into what happened between Purdue and Michigan, I want to look back at what we said needed to happen for the Boilermakers last week because the formula was there for Purdue to win this football game. I mentioned earlier, Purdue had done a really, really good job at stopping teams on third down when getting in those situations. It had also done a really good job of scoring the football when it had gotten into the red zone. And at the same time, Michigan had not done a great job enforcing turnovers. So with those things combined, I had said that if Purdue could just win on those key plays, on when they're close to scoring and when Michigan's on third down, get yourself points and get yourself off the field on defense, as well as getting a little bit lucky with the turnovers, then Purdue has a chance. And for parts of this first half, it looked like Purdue had a chance. The Boilermakers were doing some things on third down, getting stops, doing enough to at least keep themselves in this game for a while. But then a few little mistakes started to happen. Uh, you see the flag on the field goal that Michigan ended up taking while it was driving in that second half that ends up allowing Michigan to go for it on fourth and one instead of kick the field goal on fourth and six. And they end up, of course, continuing that offensive drive and scoring the touchdown. A crucial turnover a huge huge turnover when uh 
the team first went down two scores. Aiden O'Connell just threw a pick while Purdue was looking like it was driving back to get things back within a single score again. Instead, he throws that pick and gets the turnover for Michigan that Purdue, quite honestly, was going to need at some point during that game. And instead of Purdue getting the big momentum boost, it ends up being Michigan. While Purdue was looking to respond, that gets that turnover, goes down and scores again. And that's when things really, really started to blow open for the Wolverines. And things weren't really all that close anymore. Uh, I don't think that this was a case of Purdue playing a terrible game. They were driving. They were getting yards. They were settling for field goals, which is something you cannot do. I'm sure the red zone percentage was good still for Purdue, but when you're playing this Michigan team, you cannot settle for as many field goals as the Boilermakers were settling for, and especially when your kicker is only going to be able to kick like 45, 46 yards at max, you're not in a good spot when he is out there and kicking and making that many field goals. That means you got that close that many times and still weren't able to punch it in. That is what would have kept Michigan in this game, or would have kept Purdue in this game. And instead, Michigan is able to continue to score touchdowns and slowly but surely pull away until the point where things are out of hand by the end of it. So you get some of those stops early in the game, and you saw some of those things where Purdue was thinking, okay, we're going to be able to keep them in this for a while. And by the way, Ed O'Connell pretty much, I thought, had a pretty great game. Outside of the couple of mistakes, he was able to throw on this Michigan defense. He made some throws that I'm not used to Aiden O'Connell making as far as where he was able to put the ball in a spot for his receivers. But it just wasn't enough. And Purdue, again, made a few mistakes where if you're going up against a team that's better than you, like Michigan's better than Purdue, you're not going to have very many chances to make mistakes and not lose that football game. I mean, if Purdue wanted to do this, it was going to have to be near perfect. And it was just a few little mistakes, really. I thought Purdue played a pretty good game for a lot of this football game. But just a few little mistakes here and there allowed Michigan to run away with things in the second half. And now instead of looking at a potential upset, Purdue had to look at a 20-point loss. That's the way it is when you're playing a team as good as Michigan. That's why they're going to the college football playoff. So nothing really wrong, I think, is too big you can hang your hat on for Purdue. Like if I'm saying this is why Purdue lost the game. I don't know if there's any one big, big thing. I mean, there was a couple of mistakes on defense, mistakes on offense, turnovers, things like that. It was a little bit of little things that just piled up up against a really, really good team, and a really, really good team took advantage of it. That's really all it was. So, Purdue, I don't think you can really hang your head too much if you're looking at this matchup and trying to figure out, hey, what went wrong here? But I just think that Michigan ended up being a much, much better team and proved why they were the best in the Big Ten yet again this season with that final win before the playoff. Of course... With the losses we saw across of that's for sure. All right, going into the last of our show here today, we've got to get into the most thrilling moment of the weekend brought to you by Nissan. It's the Nissan thrilling moment, which this week is Donovan Edwards, a 27-yard touchdown run that put Michigan up 28-13, and it would be the final, final dagger 
for Michigan against Purdue as the Boilermakers would never get up to that point total and the Wolverines would continue to run away with the game as things went on. That is the most thrilling moment of the weekend brought to you by Nissan. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available at NissanUSA.com. All right, let's wrap things up by a little bit of a look at basketball here today. A big upset as Rutgers knocks off Indiana in the men's basketball arena. First loss of the season for the Hoosiers. It was a game in which Indiana shot the ball terribly. And if you want to only look at the one side of the box score, if you're a Hoosiers fan and you weren't actually watching this game, it's pretty easy to say, oh, well, Hoosiers just didn't have the shots tonight. But give Rutgers the credit where it's due. This was much more than just Indiana not shooting the ball. Uh, Hoosiers did shoot terribly. Indiana shot 34% from the field and just 20% from three. But Rutgers wasn't all that much better. It shot just 36% from the field, at 28 from three. Two teams made the same amount of three-pointers on the game. It was outstanding defensive strategy by Rutgers, and then just a pounding on the boards that the Scarlet Knights put on. A 47-33 deficit in favor of Rutgers in this game on the glass. And Rutgers also with 17 offensive rebounds on its own too. So a whole lot of second chances for Rutgers, a whole lot of opportunities for them to make this not easy and a grinder of a game for the Hoosiers, and they did. Nobody really showed up on offense for Indiana. Only good game was Miller Cop. He had 21 points and shot the ball well. Trace Jackson Davis got himself 13 points and 10 rebounds, but the focus was on him on defense, and Rutgers did a really good job on him, double teaming at times, uh, making sure that he didn't have anything really easy. And I think while he finished like 5 of 11 from the field, it was not an easy day to be Trace Jackson Davis out there if you're a Hoosiers fan. So I'm a little bit concerned if I'm an Indiana fan watching that because it seemed like in that game, Rutgers really just put all the focus on Trace Jackson Davis. And I mean, again, Cop had his get a day, but there was nothing else out there for Indiana. So if a team's able to contain what Trace Jackson Davis is doing, it looks like right now, at least, Indiana's struggling to find that flow on offense when it's not flowing through TJD. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening as the season continues. I don't think it's anything to be too concerned about at the moment. Indiana's still a plenty talented team, and that was a really, really bad shooting night. But if Trace Jackson Davis does get contained again, I'm interested to see what happens the next time that does happen. How does the rest of this Indiana team respond? Let's look at everything going on around the Big Ten Conference here today. I'm Nate Dickinson. We'll be back tomorrow recapping and looking at the two teams outside the Big Ten who are playing in the college football playoff, TCU and Georgia. The opponents for Michigan and Ohio State are set. What do they do on the field that's so, so good? We'll get into it tomorrow on the show. Until then, be sure to follow along with Locked On Big Ten wherever it is you get your podcasts, on Twitter and on YouTube. The show is at Locked On Big Ten. It's one zero at the end, not T-E-N. And I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports. I'll be back tomorrow with more on everything you need to know from across the Big Ten Conference. Once again, be sure to follow along with all of your other Big Ten podcasts from across the conference where you can follow with your team every single day. I'll be back again again tomorrow with more here. Until then, this has been Locked On Big Ten.